Our first scripture reading this morning is from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Not just a kick. The baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. In our household, the Friday after Thanksgiving is the first day that we begin listening to Christmas music. In our church offices, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the day Pastor Liz begins singing Christmas carols. In our church, Christmas Eve is the day we sing Christmas carols at our 4 p.m. family service and Christmas hymns at our 10 p.m. candlelight service. In preparation for our Christmas Eve services this morning, we will look at what is the very first Christmas carol. Spoiler alert, the first Christmas carol has nothing to do with the Grinch, grandma getting run over by anything, or most certainly has nothing to do with anyone kissing 
mommy, not even Santa. Amen? Like every great song, this song has a name. And it's named after its first word in the Latin, magnificat, which means magnify. Today we'll look at what led Mary to sing magnify, what magnify is all about, and what magnify is meant to do to us today. So first, what's the story behind the song? What led Mary to sing magnify? Magnify begins when the angel Gabriel was sent by God to Mary to announce that she will be pregnant with the Son of God. And Mary asks, how? Since I am only a virgin. The angel Gabriel announces that the Son of God will be conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. That the Son of God will be given the throne of David and will reign on this throne forever. Mary responds to this news, what we call the Annunciation, with these words. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done according to me, according to your word. Did that sound joyful to you? Did, did that sound like Mary was singing in the streets or rejoicing from her spirit? No. You sense that, right? I am the Lord's servant. Not exactly gleeful. May it be done according to your word, according to your will, right? How often do you say gleefully, thy will be done? At this point in the story, this teenager, Mary, is pensive. She is obedient and submissive and perhaps even solemn. She knows how dangerous it is to be pregnant out of wedlock. She understands what this might mean for her marriage to Joseph. That marriage is in peril. And she also understands the law. And according to the Jewish law, she could even be stoned to death for being pregnant out of wedlock. I like the way that the lectionary commentary frames Mary's response. Mary is muted and measured. Submissive, reverent, measured. And Pastor Liz kind of hinted at this during the announcements this morning. And I imagine that for most women, finding out that you're pregnant for the first time is an awful lot to take in. Right? Your, your whole life just changed like that. And none of us know from personal experience, but we might imagine that finding out that your first pregnancy was conceived by the Holy Spirit, your son is the eternal son of God and will be king, and to his kingdom there will be no end, might be a bit overwhelming and even frightening. Being a first-time parent is perhaps a bit overwhelming, but imagine, hey, surprise, you're a first-time parent and your son is the son of God. No pressure. 
The angel concludes the annunciation in Luke 136 with this information. Even your relative Elizabeth in her old age is going to have a child. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Notice that the angel doesn't command Mary to go and visit Elizabeth. She just, he just, the angel Gabriel just gives Mary the information. And it's up to Mary to choose what to do next. Mary is free to process the information of the Annunciation all alone. Mary is free to pray about it all alone. Mary is free to ponder it and to allow her wandering mind to get the best of her while she's sitting in her home all alone. Mary must choose for herself whether or not she will go through this major life change all alone or if she's willing to bring others into it. Do you know that she had valid excuses for never, marry, never visiting Elizabeth? Elizabeth lived 90 miles from Mary. She's pregnant. You ought not walk 90 miles when you're pregnant. That's a valid excuse. She's a teenager. Those roads are unsafe. She shouldn't put herself at, at risk and traverse those roads all alone. It's a valid excuse. Perhaps her family needs her at home. She had all sorts of reasons for never visiting Elizabeth or going to Elizabeth's house. There's always excuses. I would even say valid excuses for not bringing your family, your church family, or, or others in your life who God has put in your life. We always have excuses for not welcoming others into our lives, even major life changes. Sometimes the way that God plans to move us from pensiveness to praise is by letting family into our situation. Sometimes the way that God plans to move us from solemnness to song is by letting church family into our situation. Sometimes the way that God plans to move us from silence to celebration is in relationship through a Bible study group with a spiritual friend or a Christian mentor. And Elizabeth is not just a family member or a church family member. Elizabeth was a true follower of God, and God put her in Mary's life for this reason. She's identified in Luke 1.6 as righteous in the sight of God, blameless under the law. She has shown herself trustworthy by God. What I see through this scripture is that God desires to use fellow believers, mature women and men of God, to strengthen, comfort, and encourage us through major life changes, good and bad. And I know that some of you have been hurt by family members. You let someone in and, and they hurt you. You've been hurt perhaps by a clergy member or a fellow church member. But God still challenges us to let others in. And it doesn't happen unless we're willing to make the effort, right? I think sometimes we pray and we ask God, I need someone in my life to talk about with this thing and through this thing. 
but we're not really willing to take the risk or make the effort. Mary walked 90 miles pregnant through the hill country. I don't think that God's calling us to walk 90 miles. It might be as simple as picking up your phone. It might mean turning on your car and making it to a Bible study. It it may mean meeting someone for coffee or getting on a Zoom call. But what we need to understand is that there's no first Christmas carol. There's no first Christmas song or Christmas hymn. No magnify if Mary is unwilling to walk into Elizabeth's house. So whose house do you need to walk into? Whose number do you need to call? Who do you need to have coffee with? Or who needs to have coffee with you? Who needs to hear from you? Take my word for it, God has put Mary's and Elizabeth's in your life. Mary walked 90 miles pregnant to seek fellowship. What is God leading you to do? Who is God leading you toward? And here is the joyful scene. Here's what happens in in fellowship, in Christian community. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth's boy is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist didn't just kick when Mary and Jesus walked in. I believe that John jumped and that he was jumping as a sign and a symbol of his worship of God. That baby John in utero utero was a worship leader, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And as she's filled with the Holy Spirit, sometimes what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit is you receive a spiritual gift. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that that the church, us, we ought to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And he highlights in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, one particular spiritual gift. He says, especially, you ought to desire a spiritual gift, and especially you ought to desire the gift of prophecy. You might be thinking, I'm in the wrong church. The the name of the church is First Presbyterian, not First Pentecostal. But this is the Bible. This is not a, a, a Pentecostal thing. This is a biblical thing and a church thing that transcends any denominational ties or church tradition or upbringing. This is what we ought to desire, this gift. And he says this, and this is why we ought to desire the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people. Why? To tell them the future? To to look into a crystal ball and and tell them what's going to happen before it happens? That's not what Paul writes. He says that we ought to desire the gift of prophecy for strengthening, for encouraging, and for comforting one another. That when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and that we're walking in the gift of prophecy, that what will come out of our mouths, the words of God, a message of God for another human being, and that message will strengthen, comfort, and encourage another human being. How many of you have friends, family members, co-workers, classmates who need a bit of strengthening, comforting, and encouraging during this Christmas season. Well, the power of God, the presence of God, fills God's people to that end. And at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 
Paul says that when the church is prophesying, when God is speaking through you and God desires to speak through people, that when that's happening, that sinners, sinners will fall down and worship God. When God is speaking through us, that that will lead us to worship God. And so the Lord is speaking prophetically to strengthen, comfort, and encourage Mary. This is powerful. How many of you have been called names? Whenever someone asks me, can I, do, do I call you pastor or can I just call you Greg? I always say, I've been called worse things. Pastor or Pastor Greg or just Greg will work for me. Right? But, but we've all, in a, in a sense, have been called names and they're not always good names. The thing that's really hurtful that that has the power to shape us is when we're called not so good names by family members, by people we trusted, by friends, by people in positions of authority, those we respected, that that we've been named by others. And And in worst possible outcomes, we've taken on that identity, we've taken on those names, we've allowed those names to shape who we are. When the Holy Spirit speaks through Elizabeth, he is speaking through Elizabeth to name Mary. The Holy Spirit through Elizabeth is going to name Mary. God is going to affirm her identity. He is going to tell her who she is. Because after Mary is discovered to be pregnant outside of wedlock, She's going to be named a whole lot of things by the people in her village, by the people in her school, by those in her town. They're going to have scandalous, not-so-nice names for Mary. And so God is preparing her for the test and the trial, and God is naming her and affirming her identity. And so what does God say? What does God call name Mary? And you know it. It's famous. If you were raised Roman Catholic, you really know Mary's name. Blessed, blessed are you among women. Mary, I know that people are going to call you cursed. So let's speak God's truth over your life. You are the blessed of God. You are the one who is favored. Elizabeth says, why am I so favored that my Lord should come to me? God is affirming her identity as the blessed as the one who has received God's goodness and God's favor, and don't forget it. And then she says, blessed is the child in your womb. Who is that child growing in your womb? A gift, an undeserved gift of grace, the blessed one of God. And of course, she says, my Lord, that the words that the angel spoke to you, that you're carrying the Son of God, that's confirmed by the Holy Spirit. He's the Lord, very God of very God, very Lord of very Lord. So here's Mary hurries into her faith community. God speaks to Mary through the people. She's strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. And it is the Holy Spirit in Christian fellowship, in relationship, in community, that led to the first Christmas carol, Magnify. These were the events. This is the story behind the song. So God speaks to Mary through Christian community and Mary speaks back to God in worship. 
So God speaks to you. God blesses you. God names you. God finds you, you learn again. You're reminded who you are, who you've been created to be. And then we respond to God in worship. And this is the very first Christmas song. Here's what Mary sung. I'm not going to sing it for you. I was going to put someone on the spot to sing it right now. Do, do you want to, does anyone want to sing it? All right, I got a bunch of these. I can't see your faces because you have masks on. That's a no. Okay, great. But this is what she sings. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She receives the word of God and her heart is overflowing with praise. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Right? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm ordinary. I'm weak. But God has been mindful of me. From now on, and here's a prophetic word from Mary, and it's true because Mary's called the blessed mother of God today. Here's, a, here's the Holy Spirit again. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So what is Magnify all about? It's Mary's worship song. She's worshiping the Lord her Savior. And she says these things about the Savior. The Savior is powerful, holy, and merciful. The Savior expresses his holiness by being merciful. He shows his power by being merciful. And the Savior is merciful to, to a group with the, these category, these character traits. The, the Savior is merciful to the humble the hungry, and the God-fearing. While the proud, the rich, the rulers, those who do not recognize their need for God, those who make their intellect, their bank accounts, their positions of power, their gods, will not share in the mercies of God. I was thinking about what this first Christmas song must have done to Elizabeth because she was the first one to hear it. And I imagine that it brought her great joy and hope. The Savior is mindful of the humble. Those who acknowledge their dependency on God. The humble. Those who don't make their lives about me, but make their lives about he and we. The Savior shows his mercy to those who fear him. Those who fear him are those who walk in his ways. He fills the hungry with good things. Those who hunger for the things of God will be satisfied by God. Magnify must bring joy to Elizabeth, and it's meant to bring us joy. But at the same time, Elizabeth must have reflected and asked. The Savior remembers his mercy to the humble, the hungry, and the God-fearing. Am I humble or proud? Is it all about me, or is it all about he and we? Am I the hungry? Am I the one who hungers for God? Or 
Am I the one who's relying for other things to fill my life? Do I fear the Lord? We don't talk about that much. Do I fear God? Does the fear of the Lord inspire me to say no to what God tells me to say no to and yes to what God tells me to say yes to? Today we hear this first Christmas song. It inspires joy. We have a Savior. Our Savior is merciful. He's good to the humble, to the hungry, and to the God-fearing. But it's also meant to make us reflect. Who am I? Am I allowing God to name me? Am I willing to walk in God's ways? I pray this week as you magnify the Lord that you you turn up the Christmas songs, turn up the Christmas hymns, join Mary in magnifying the Lord, join us on Christmas Eve to magnify the Lord. But also look at this hymn and ask God to make you one who magnifies the Lord, not just in the words you sing, but in the way that you live your life. Amen.